That's crazy. Let me hear Black Love. Ooh. Man. I'm gonna give you a disclaimer. I haven't done this one in a while, so if I mess up, it's um You're not gonna mess up. Dang, what is it? Okay, um. Hold on, let me think of the first line. If I can get the first line, I got it. It's um if um I often wonder if I was hopelessly hanging from a cliff, would you reach your arm out and save me? If I was desperately gasping for air, staring in the face of death, would you press your brown lips against mine and bless me with one last breath? Or have they made you completely forget about me? Black men, I'm speaking to you. Because it seems as over the years you've lost your love for us, but your love for them grew. But let's not forget the darker the berry, the sweeter the juice. All right, welcome to the Rich and Unemployed Podcast Uncut. I'm your host, Jonathan Dupaton, a.k.a. Finesse, and I have a very special guest today. Go ahead, introduce yourself. Ooh-hoo. I'm Ernestine Johnson Morrison. So excited to be here. You got two last names? Okay, so I don't have two last names, but let me tell you the story. So, I was Johnson. My maiden name's Johnson, Ernestine Johnson, and... I really worked hard to be Ernestine Johnson, like the sacrifice, the work. And then so when I got married, my husband was like, I don't do hyphens. Damn. And I was like, I don't want to get rid of Johnson, though. So what I did was change my middle name to Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> so my name, my legal name is Ernestine Johnson Morrison. No hyphen. Women. <laughs> How did he feel about that? I think looking back, I probably should have obliged uh-huh. and he probably didn't love it but he did he loved that i didn't hyphen you know he said he don't do hyphens so we didn't do hyphens you just went around you found a way found a way finessed it so like what was <laughs> why did you want to keep your name so bad i don't you know what i will say i don't feel the same way i felt then i wasn't as emotionally mature when it all was happening i, I wanted to keep my name because i just felt like i really worked hard for that name like as a poet, as an actress, as a woman, as an entrepreneur, I built it up from mm-hmm. the ground up through, through all type of trials and tribulations of my life. I really, really worked hard to be Ernestine Johnson with respect and integrity and mm-hmm. a phenomenal reputation. And I didn't want to let go of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> after you, after you added the name to, did it change anything? Like, did you feel like people would be, like they forgot? No, it's just, you know, even as an actor, your IMDb page, everything was, all my credits are Ernestine Johnson. Every credit you read on a movie, on a show, it's Ernestine Johnson. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, a part of me felt like I was getting rid of that or burying her. Right. So, huh. that was the reasoning. So, my stage name is still Ernestine Johnson. Oh. Mm-hmm. In movies, that's, that's how it... It says Ernestine Johnson. Mm-hmm. He doesn't feel any type of way about that? I think as of recently, like, I started doing more Morrison. So, like, some of my recent credits will say Ernestine Johnson Morrison. Why are you just going against the grain? Why you just don't listen? <laughs> What's the problem with listening to your husband? There is no problem listening to my husband. So I am. I'm listening. I, I said, like I said in the beginning of the conversation, I wasn't as evolved mentally in the beginning mm-hmm. of the marriage. But now I'm looking back, I'm like, yeah, like you leave your mother and father, you become one. You're one. So yes, you are a Morrison. How long have you been married? Four years. Oh, mm-hmm. four years. I would have thought maybe ten, seven. No, no four. Okay, how long have you been together? Five. We got we we met and got engaged in seven months. I knew the day I met him that he was gonna be my husband. Did he know the day he met you? He says he didn't, but I don't believe that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what made you think that? 
What about him was it? You know, it was really just an intrinsic feeling. It, it, I think a lot of times when you think of like love or I met the one, you feel like you're, it's going to be butterflies, but it wasn't. It was just calm. Like we sat down just like this. We were in a meeting and I'm like, wow, hmm. I just feel like I belong here. I do belong here. This is this. I'm home. I'm not leaving. Oh. <laughs> exactly how it felt. So what, did he have to make the first move or? Who made the first move? I can't necessarily say if anyone made a move. It was just an energy that we both exchanged and from how, the very how beginning. How did it happen? Just... Oh, you know what? So my husband does this thing called the corner class where he goes on the corners like in the inner cities in the, like the hood of the hoods and teaches real estate. And he asked me to pull up to one of his uh, corner classes and do poetry. And I didn't know what a corner class was. I'm like, I'm going to pull up to your corner class and doing poetry. Like, I'm a paid artist. Mm -hmm. And so I went, and I, when I pulled up, it was actually in Bankhead here in Atlanta, and I pulled up, and it was like hundreds of black men, just black people outside learning real estate. And I was like, whoa, this is dope. Mm -hmm. So I was like, absolutely, I will perform. And I performed a poem called Black Love, and then I did another poem called Dear Black Men. And the way everyone looked at us, it was like, mm. y'all two belong together. And I think at that moment is when he fell in love with me. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so ever since then, he was like, I want you to come on the rest of the tour with me. And I mm -hmm. did the entire tour, 20, 22 cities or something like that. That's such a beautiful story. We just toured together, the country. It doesn't happen like that nowadays. I think it still does. Yeah? Yeah, I think people are finding love every day. I think if you want to find love, you find it. You think so? I know so. Who you know recently? I have a friend who I actually just introduced to another one of my friends, and they are going strong. One person. One person. But That's most fine. of my friends are married, so mm -hmm. okay. I know it exists because I'm with the married crew. I mean, I believe in love. Um, I, I still think that love is out there. People can fall in love. But Absolutely. <laughs> I think the younger and younger that it's getting, it's, it's getting harder and harder. I do think that this newer generation this gen z or whatever whatever generation oh, we're in yeah, I, don't I don't even know where we're at anymore mm -hmm. but i think this like tiktok instagram social media i definitely think that traditional roles and traditional marriages are definitely changing mm -hmm. i mean there's a lot of poly love there's a lot of like i don't want to be i don't believe in marriage there's a lot of just non-traditional family values are just happening the, mm -hmm. i think our minds have evolved because of all the information that we have now um, but I am, in a sense, a traditional girl. I believe in traditional marriages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was your parents together? No. <laughs> my mom was never with my dad. Never? My biological father, no. Oh. Was she married, though? She was once in her life. Mm -hmm. oh. Yeah. Didn't work out. Hmm. So how is marriage? marriage? Marriage is like being on the world's tallest roller coaster. And there's scary loops and turns and dips. And there's times where it's like, oh, my God, this is so fun. Oh, my God, oh, my God, the dip is coming. And then there's times where it's like, ooh, that was fucking scary. And then there's times where it's like, all right, the ride is it's getting kind of slow. And we're going to have another dip. That's what it feels like. Hmm. It's worth it. Do you like roller coasters? <laughs> um, roller coasters gave me nightmares when I first um, rode them. Oh, sounds a little... A little traumatic there. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, it sounds like there's some trauma associated <laughs> with that. I haven't really um, went uh, too many, too many. Haven't really went to um, too many amusement parks. Mm -hmm. that. I'm not really into roller coasters, so. She's not into marriage then. No, marriage is fun. It, like I said, it's a roller coaster. It's like, oh god, this is fun. Oh, I love this part of the ride. Okay, this part of the ride is scary. Oh, we're pulling back. Oh, we're shooting forward. It's just a roller coaster, mm -hmm. and it's fun at times. It's scary at times. It's 
what's scary? What's, what's the scary part? I think if you think about your life, right, you're in your 30s. In your 30s, you have 30 years of behaviors, of traits, of characteristics, of habits. Mm -hmm. And then you meet this other person in their 30s or their 40s, and they have 30 or 40 years of their own characteristics, traits, and habits. And then you have to join them together. And you're like, oh, wait a minute, your habits aren't really the same as my habits. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't really, I don't put my salad fork right there the way you put it. It's just little things. You just have to bring these two worlds together and make them one world. That's hard. I think mm -hmm. for anyone, I think it's even a friendship or a roommate, just like, you know, yeah. if you've ever had a roommate, it's like, oh, I have to learn to live with this person and all of their things mm -hmm. and mix it with all of my things. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's do this. Yeah, I had a roommate once. I, have, I, had, I haven't had it since. <laughs> had one since. <laughs> I've learned like living with people, um, you start to understand the real them. Mm -hmm, for sure. And I told myself, I don't ever want to live with a girlfriend ever again. I want to wait until I know them outside of that first because I can't get to know them while we're living together. I think one of the best ways to get to know someone is to live with them. I would never suggest anyone get married before you live with that person. You want to know all of their things. Well, uh, before marriage. Before marriage, for sure. I think there should be a dating phase, like mm -hmm. just dates, just dates, mm -hmm. courting, getting to know, asking tough questions, deep questions, questions you never thought about. And then I definitely think you should live with each other, mm -hmm. for sure. Because I need to know, like, do you fold your socks? Do you fold your box? Do you put do you put dirty clothes behind the bathroom door? Do you put them in the hamper? Like, I need to figure out what your habits are. What does it matter? What do you mean, what does it matter? The folding part. If you're like a neat freak, right? I know mm -hmm. people who are super OCD, neat freak. Like, everything has to be a certain way. And then you go and marry a girl who, like, she just drops her clothes on the floor when she comes home. That might be a deal breaker for you. It would be for me. Right. But that's what I do, though. Because we can't. It, two people can't do the yeah, same thing. Yeah, you can't do the same thing. <laughs> mm-hmm gotta be a yin and a yang okay so how long before you guys moved in with each other oh our we moved pretty quick like i said we met and got engaged in seven months so and when we met we were on tour we toured the country together so we were in hotels together every week we moved in fairly quick i want to say maybe gosh i can't even remember now maybe six seven months it was fairly quick well like i said i knew i knew that was my husband did you have anybody telling you, like, maybe just slow down, don't do this? Everybody. <laughs> Literally. Everybody. Oh, and no, it, gosh, you get to know each other more. And, and it make you nervous? Like, mm -hmm. okay, maybe we're moving too fast? No. I don't, like, this doesn't happen. It, <laughs> this doesn't happen. You know what's so funny is so many of my friends and peers who met us at that time when we met, literally multiple people told me, oh, that's, you guys are going to be married. Mm -hmm. It was just... But I most know, people told you that, but then again, you have people telling you. So, like, people who were, like, my close personal friends were like, just take it slow, family, take it slow. But then I had so many people, like our wedding planner, who planned who plan events for me then. She was like, oh, you guys are going to be together. With so many different people in my life that were like, yeah, you guys are going to be married. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean they didn't say take it slow. Right. But they just knew. Mm -hmm. I knew. Mm -hmm. I didn't need anybody to validate it. <laughs> what if he didn't make a move, right? Would you have, like the situation would I have pressed the situation like pursued him mm, probably yeah because yeah. you see my pursuit wouldn't have been like a full-on press like uh -huh. my pursuit is just showing up conversation supporting coming to your events being in the atmosphere showing love. you would have felt my presence it would have happened regardless uh-huh mm-hmm because I hear, well, women say, like, I'm not chasing no man. A man's going to have to do this and do that. And 
I ain't doing it. If he ain't showing no interest, then I ain't doing it. Oh, no, I think it's a dual job. Mm-hmm. I definitely think a man should show interest in you and he should lead that interest. But I do think women should put in effort. Like my husband, when we were dating, like I would buy him cute little things. I remember he was studying like Islam and he's like, I want to know more about the Quran and Islam. Mm-hmm. I went to a bookstore and bought him a Quran mm-hmm. and I gifted it with I gifted it to him. And he just thought that was so cool. Um, so I put in I put in the work and it's little nuances. You want to, you know, a couple of times I paid for dinner when we first went out. Really? Yeah. How interesting. And a lot, most of the time he wouldn't let me, but I offered. But the first time you did pay. I but can't remember now, man. I just feel like we've done, we've literally done so much. I feel like we've lived 10 lifetimes. What, what made you want to do that? Like offer to pay? You know what? I just have a lot of experience with a lot of men with money. Like before I was a full-time actress, I had a, a personal shopping company where I had 36 NFL players that I shopped for. So I got them ready and for the games and mm-hmm. did their wardrobe. And I just know that there are a lot of men who are in certain positions who expect for women to need help mm-hmm. or, you know, they just expect a certain energy from a woman. And I just I just learned from my environment. I'm like, you know what? Let me let me sow a couple seeds. Like, I know y'all are used to sowing seeds, but I want to sow important to this thing as well. I'm going to show you that I have yeah. something to bring to this table. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. You have to bring something to the table. That's a lost art. Just that little that little thing right there. You know, I don't necessarily know that it's lost. I think there are plenty of women out there who understand how to sow <clears throat> seeds. Maybe your friends, Ernestine. <laughs> I have amazing friends. Maybe, I, maybe I'm too, around too many strippers. I think you gotta, yeah, you gotta change your, <laughs> you gotta change your atmosphere. Maybe, maybe it's the strippers. I was talking to a friend the other day and he was saying something about, something about his friends. And I'm like, it sounds like to me, you just need to change your circle of friends. Like mm-hmm. literally your atmosphere can change your entire life. So if you think that there are women out there who don't exist then they just won't exist. But if you want to find them, they're there. You got to go to where they're at. I mean, I believe they're there. Um, and I, I feel like I do need to put myself in an environment where they're at, but I don't know. Like those, some women just don't attract me. Like I would assume that they're not like, my style of women they're like more like so what's your style of woman i guess what i'm used to is like, you said stripper so i'm <laughs> trying to figure out where you're going with this you know them, them it ain't just the stripper i guess it's the stripper body okay not that i'm and, just, and not to say just want to be clear not to say there's anything wrong with dating strippers. yeah nothing's wrong with i know some amazing women who, mm-hmm. who dance i have nothing against dating so strippers. it's the body that you like yeah but Can you find that body in the gym no yes wait yes yes go to the gym LA Fitness, they're all there. That doesn't mean that they're not, I don't want to say the wrong thing. <laughs> I can't find the, that body in the gym. But when you see these type of women, they're kind of like in the same realm. They're not lawyers. They're not like professional women. I, I would I would disagree with you. LA Fitness? I know, yes. Mm-hmm. And I know women who are lawyers. I know women who are paralegals. I know women who just run businesses who have amazing banging bodies. Hmm. You're like, is she dancing? No, she actually is the CEO of this company. Oh. Gotta change your atmosphere. I'm gonna set you up on a date. Nah. <laughs> I'm gonna set you up on a date. Women not ready for me. <laughs> you might not be ready for women. That's, what I mean. That's That might be true. Yeah. Um, I, don't have the, um, I don't have the mental capacity right now. I would love to meet someone, but... The way my life going, um, I just can't. Mm-hmm. I wish I could. It's just not. It's not for me right now. Dating. All right. Well, then if it's not for you, but I will take friends though. All right. I, I take a look. Introduce you, know. you to some friends. Yeah. 
Some good smart women with nice bodies. They're going to fall in love with me, though. Okay. Like that confidence. No, it's true. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, who were you before this? Like, how was your dating life before marriage? How was my dating life? You know what? I will say, and I'm not just saying this because we're on camera, but I will say I have had a fair share of, like, quality. I feel like I've always dated nice quality men, mm -hmm. like men who are intelligent, who are into their purpose. Um, so I definitely say I, I've had some good luck with dating. There were a few stragglers. Mm -hmm. There were a few where I was just like, I attracted a certain type of men because I wasn't who I am now, wasn't this confident. Like, I feel like I am the most comfortable, the most confident I've ever been in my life. And I wasn't always there, especially like my early 20s. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're in the space where you don't really know who you are, you haven't fully walked into your confidence, your crown, I call it, confidence, resilience, optimism, willpower, non-negotiables, you may accept things that are, are not um, in alignment with your fullest potential. And I was there in my 20s. A couple stragglers got in there hmm. where you kind of accept what people give you. Mm -hmm. Whereas now is I teach people how to treat me. I don't even take a certain, like there's a certain treatment that you're going to give me because I demand it. I require it. It's a requirement. It's like, you know, like some people say the B word and the N word like that. That's not how I'm greeted. You mm -hmm. greet me, you say queen, period, because that's just what I require. I can tell. Mm -hmm. you, you text me king. Peace king. Mm -hmm. So I have to have to. You got to reciprocate the energy. Reciprocate the energy. Yeah. Where did you get this confidence from? Where did, where did it come from? Let me tell you something. I kid you not. So the night before my 30th birthday, I was 29 years old. And I was just tired. I knew that there was another level to me that I just was not tapping into. And I, this is my exact prayer. I said, God, please, please rid me of people, places, and things that do not serve me and do not serve your highest calling for my life. Mm -hmm. And I promise you, I woke up at 30 years old, a new woman. Like, I walked completely into all of my earnestiness, the trauma, the guilt, the shame, the power, the beauty, the rawness, the grit the abuse, all of it, all of my traumas. I was just like, I'm walking into it. I'm owning it. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many things that have happened to us as children, as adolescents that we bury molestation, abuse, abandonment, death, divorce, all of the things. Right. Mm -hmm. And we bury it and we just keep on going. And I said, I'm exposing it all. Mm -hmm. I was molested from the age of seven to 17, walking in it. My mother was, I, I'm technically a crack baby. Like my mother was on drugs in the eighties, like many mothers were. I was born with crack in my system, walking in it. In my 20s, I didn't know who I was. I did accept certain treatment from different men, walking in that too, owning it all. So now when you walk in all of your stuff and all of your grit, you feel empowered. When I tell you I genuinely feel so empowered, there's nothing you can tell me about me. I feel great. In all of the flaws, in all of the grit, I feel great. That's powerful. Yeah. Do you know Bree was molested? I don't. I believe we spoke about it. Yeah. She yes, was, we did. Mm -hmm. She was very open about it. Yeah. I think we both actually, you know, yes, we did. Cause we recently spoke about it because we both um, had similar like times where we told our parents or told our families. Mm -hmm. so I didn't tell my mom until I was 30. I held it in for 30 years. So you can imagine holding in something like that for 30 years, how much weight that puts on you. Right. I released the weight. I, when I tell you, I feel so light. Mm -hmm. Who I feel like I feel great. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. If y'all don't know, this is um, Breeze Renee's friend 
that was in the movie with one her. of my best friends. Yep, best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, two episodes ago. Yes, Free Renee straight from the A. Straight from the A. <laughs> Such a beautiful lady. Um, Are you gonna let me hook you up with Bree or no? Bree is my friend. Okay, well, I'm just saying friends become lovers. You know. <laughs> I like Bree though. Bree is cool. I like Bree her. is one of the coolest girls you'll ever meet. I love her voice. Like she's she's cool. She looks good, but. Mm-hmm. I move really like I. I befriend people first, like it's like if it it might get there, but I I would be her friend. You want me to put in a word, or you got this? No, I got this. Sure. <laughs> oh, okay, I already it. got it. I mean, I love it <laughs> oh, I'm, oh. I'm not watching this, Bree. Right. <laughs> Bree, I'm sending you this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> who molested you? Today's episode is brought to you by Rich and Unemployed Clothing. Listen, have you guys checked out the website? Have you guys copped some merch? You can do so while watching this episode right now. So if you haven't done so, go ahead. It's right there at the bottom. Go ahead, click. Go to the website. Go ahead and copy some merch. Man, we got these new hoodies in. We got headscarves in. We got hats. We got caps. We got the black and gold Rich and Unemployed cap. So make sure you guys tap in, grab some merch while watching this episode. Because listen, I'm giving it to you, giving it to you good. Wait, pause. All right, back to the episode. Wow. Um, geez, didn't know we were going to go there. But um, my stepfather. Yeah, my stepfather. Hmm. And what's, it, it's just interesting that you, you asked that because I don't really talk about it a whole lot. But what's interesting about it all is like, in essence, he wasn't a bad guy. Meaning like I wasn't being beat or cornered or pushed or you know, tied up or anything like that. Like it was a psychological um, battle because he also was the same person that made sure I got the track practice, made sure I had my track uniforms, made sure I got good grades. If I didn't get grades, he put me on punishment. Like, you know what I mean? Like track team dad, bring Gatorades to the track practices and all that. Like friends all loved him. The whole town loved him. People to this day on Facebook, like, oh, how's your dad? Oh, I saw your dad the other day. Like that guy. So that creates like a lack of trust. Like when I tell you I don't trust people as far as I can throw them sometimes, like I'll trust you to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but you be- just never know what's beyond the surface of someone. Trust men or just people, period? It's definitely people, period, but I would definitely say there's an emphasis on men. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so protective of my child. I have a daughter. I'm so protective of her. Like I don't let her sit on laps. Like if she was here now and she'd crawl over you, I'd be like, come here. Like... Mm-mm. We're not sitting on people's laps. We're not doing any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I was also molested by a, a after-school youth coach. You? Yes. The, the coach, the youth coach that's supposed to be there to protect everyone and play games with everyone until your parents get there to pick you up, you know, after school. Um, sorry, my, this big old ring keeps... We see it. Sorry, you want to see it? Is it, it, it in the camera? Because yeah, yeah, it keeps hitting the... Yeah, we see it. <laughs> Shining. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, like youth, the youth coach program guy, coordinator, whatever he was, and this is elementary school. So it's like, I just, the trusting with men, I'm like, ugh. I just keep my eye open. I, I would say I just keep my eye open to everything. I don't mean to just act, you know, and bring it up, but um, I just know that women that do watch this, like, they've been through the same. So. Yeah, plenty. And some women still ain't talked about it. Still haven't. And some, and, and some women never will, but I would empower 
anyone out there who has been through any type of sexual abuse, molestation, rape, um, when I tell you there is so much power in confronting it and walking in it and owning it and, and allowing yourself to understand that, yes, it happened to you, but it also happened for you because now it's a tool mm-hmm. on your toolbox. When I tell you, you can't take advantage of me, mm-hmm. there's no way I'm going to let you take advantage of me. So many tools I've learned from those experiences. And that's why I'm so, we talked about it before the show, like I'm just confident. Mm-hmm. And I'm, inti- I'm intimidating some people because I want you to know you can't play with me. Mm. I've been played with. Mm. That won't be happening anymore. I definitely feel that energy from you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do not play with me. Mm-hmm. Don't play with me. Mm. Okay, but he, okay. I don't know how to ask this. I'm going to try to ask the best way I can. Now, the way you explained him, like, hey, he was a good person. And, and I mean, you from the outside looking in, yes. Yes. I mean, so, like, when you think, sometimes I think when people think of abusers mm-hmm. or um, sexual predators, you mm-hmm. think of, like, a bad guy, a mean guy, a scary person or, or, or woman who was, like, silencing you or beating you or whatever. But it's like, no, sometimes they're your grandpa, sometimes they're your uncle, sometimes they're the after-school coach with a smile, and they're the track team dad. They're the people that are giving rides to all the girls after school and taking them home and making sure they get home safe. Sometimes they're that guy mm-hmm. or woman. But, okay, why? Why do you think he touched I don't know. Maybe he was touched. I think that the more I've studied and had conversations with other women and men, there's plenty of men who've been molested as well who don't don't speak about it as openly. I think it's a sickness, and I think sometimes it's, um, it's history. It's a repetition. It's a generational thing. I think this person was molested by their father, Mm -hmm. and their father molested them, and their great, great, you know what I mean? I think it's a generational thing at times. And sometimes I think it's just a mental, a mental illness. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. But I do, I do know, part of me thinks that these abusers and or predators, that they're hurting in ways that maybe we just don't understand. Mm-hmm. Not excusing it at all. Mm-hmm. There's no excuse for it. But I feel like you or y'all need to seek. There's a help that you need to seek. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you see him? No, no, no. Mm-mm. I don't even live in the same state. What if you was the same? That's a great question. I would probably look right through him like Windex, like a glass window. I, I, I have no words. I have no words. I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I don't want revenge. I just don't have anything to say. I have nothing to say. I've made peace with, with my journey. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I feel great. You got to deal with that on you. That's for you to do. That's for you to seek help on. Mm-hmm. In any of them, for that matter. At what at what point did you figure it was wrong? Because if if he's taking you to school and he's you know still being your dad, like did it seem like it was wrong then? Yeah, it always felt like it was wrong. And I don't know what it is. And I've sp- I've spoken to other women who have have similar stories. And there's like there's something that holds you back from saying something there's something that holds you back from telling someone there's something that holds you back from like telling anyone else in your family you think maybe you're going to get in trouble or maybe they're going to get in trouble maybe someone's going to die like Mm -hmm. you know what was your first like um moment to escape that like going to school or something i never escaped it i didn't escape until i left the state at what age when i graduated high school and went out of state for college right then it was over Never spoke to him again. Then after college, I moved to Atlanta. Never, never went back. Mm-hmm. Never confronted him. Never went back. Never. 
I just moved on. I asked about your mom. Mm -hmm. How did that make you feel? Like her being on drugs? That's a great question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me. Um, at the time, it didn't make me feel anything because it was all I knew. Mm -hmm. So what's crazy is though I could, I knew the difference between the sober mom and high mom at the age of seven years old. I knew the difference. I knew when okay, mom came out the bathroom, she's got this twinkle in her eye. Okay, mm -hmm. she was in there doing something. And I knew the difference. Okay, right now she's sober, she's coherent. Like I knew the difference at a very young age. Um, I think the, well, the one thing it made me feel is that I had to be independent. I think that's where I get a lot of my independence from. And my mom's clean and sober now, like over, I think, 18 years mm. uh, clean and sober. So shout out to mom. She's, she's had an amazing journey. Um, but back then, it was like, okay, you have to know how to fend for yourself and take care of yourself mm -hmm. in an emotional way. Like, my mom was a functioning addict. Like, so she, we always, I always had money, always had new, new clothes, new shoes, had the new, J, new, new J's every Saturday, had a mm -hmm. car on my sweet 16th birthday. Mm. But I lacked the emotional um, covering and nurturing and support. So that's where I became um, emotionally independent. Like, okay, I know I'm going to have to figure this out on my own. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have the money and the support, thanks to my, my, my functioning mother. But emotionally, I had to figure things out. I had to maneuver things emotionally on my own. I would think someone that's been through that type of trauma, like, they would struggle in relationships. Yeah, I think in the beginning, in my 20s, for sure. I mm -hmm. definitely struggled in relationships because you're looking for the wrong type of, type of love and comfort. Yeah. And it wasn't until I walked completely into me and my power and my confidence and all of my grit and ugliness and crazy journey. It wasn't until I walked all the way into that and owned it where I'm like, oh, this is not something that happened to me. It happened for me. And these are tools that I can use to empower me. So now I know the difference between when someone's treating me right and treating me wrong. That's why I love my husband. My husband loves me. Like, my husband loves his wife. You hear me? And I'm so grateful for that, for that love because I know that there were times where I accepted completely less than. Mm -hmm. And it was only because I thought less of myself. But there is a, I have a high ticket on myself now. There is a price tag on me. It's high. Mm -hmm. It is extremely high. I gave this analogy the other day to um, some of my students I was speaking to. There are people who shop at Dillard's. There are people who shop at Belk's. There are people who shop at Macy's. Then there's people who shop at like Bergdorf Goodman, mm -hmm. Saks Fifth Avenue. Saks, yeah. I'm Bergdorf. So if you shop at Belk's or Dillard's, you're probably not shopping at Bergdorf. Like you're probably not even coming into my store. There is a high ticket on me. Mm -hmm. I only accept, I require a certain treatment when it comes to me. I don't play about me because I've been played with. So now it's like, I just don't play about me. I just don't. Mm -hmm. That's why that's, that's the power right there. Don't play about yourself. I like that. Yeah. Can you give me a poem? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> May have to charge you for that. Yeah. Um, what do you want? You want something empowering? You want something a little vulgar? Would you want something raw? I want whatever you feel like. Let me see. Hmm. I haven't done this one in a while. It's one of my favorites. I don't do it as much because I'm married and... Uh, it's a little vulgar, but it's powerful. It's meaningful. So if I mess up, don't, uh, don't judge me because I haven't done it in a while. But um, <clears throat> I know women who will fuck for a pair of red bottoms. 
Suck can sell their soul for a pair of red bottoms. Eyebrows on fleek, but pussy on freak. Now that's a red bottom. And she can't pronounce Labaton or Louboutin or Louboutin. These women couldn't even describe Christian. If his body was spread out on the diamond encrusted cross laid around her pretty little neck, these women have no self-respect. Slave to these brands and slave to this glam. Out here doing anything for a check. Selling values for a check. Selling morals for a check. Bet these women didn't know you couldn't buy class with a check. Selling ass for a check. If she only knew Sarah Bartman's body parts were put on blast for a check by white men who were committing more sin than the city of Sodom. Her ass cheeks were dissected, boiled, and put on display. Now that's a fucking red bottom. For shoes made with cheap soles, she'll quickly give up the kitty. Letting old men with old money suck on her titties. Pioneers who died paving the way, rolling in their graves with pity. Changing men like summer turns into autumn. Pussy stuck like thorns on roses when they blossom. And she's out here scheming, lying, and damn near dying to prove she is the chosen one like, like when Jesus walked on water. What's the price of the soul on your shoe when it's your soul you have to barter? And what about your daughters? How many men has she met this year alone she's forgotten? Picking through stepdaddies like slaves picking through cotton. Yes, men and these men with no problem. Kissing masses ass with red lips. Now that's a fucking red bottom. That's red bottoms. chills. <laughs> Thank you. Ooh, it's one of my favorite poems. That was dope. <laughs> Thank you. I messed up in the beginning. I haven't done that poem in so long. So I messed up in the beginning because I don't know what it sounded like. It started off real strong. Thank you. I, I was not expecting that. I swear to God. <laughs> Had you heard any of my poetry before? No. So I got my husband. <laughs> wow. I was just thinking like, you know, it was just like soft spoken. Like, Roses are red, violets are blue. Some shit like that. No. Damn. No. Thank you. You for real with this. Thank you. Damn. I'm telling you, when my husband saw me perform, I did a poem called Black Love. I promise you, when I did that poem specifically at the corner, right here in Bankhead, he looked at me, he said, oh, yeah, that's the one. I know it. That's crazy. Let me hear Black Love. Ooh. Man. I'm going to give you a disclaimer. I haven't done this one in a while, so if I mess up, it's... um. You're not going to mess up. Dang, what is it? Okay. Um, Wait a second. Hold on, let me think of the first line. If I can get the first line, I got it. It's, um, if, um, I often wonder if I was hopelessly hanging from a cliff, would you reach your arm out and save me? If I was desperately gasping for air, staring in the face of death, would you press your brown lips against mine and bless me with one last breath? Or have they made you completely forget about me? Black men, I'm speaking to you. Because it seems as over the years you've lost your love for us, but your love for them grew. But let's not forget the darker the berry, the sweeter the juice. And it's not that she can't love you. It's just that black man, I was made for you. Sculpted by the hands of God to love, feed, nurture, protect, and compliment you. And there is no ants, if, buts, or maybes. It was the black woman's breast milk that even fed the master's baby. Where you were young and fell and scraped your knee, it was your mother who was there to tend the stitches and fix your britches. See, the black woman has always been the black man's saving grace, but somewhere between L'Oreal commercials, tanning salons, lip injections, and ass shots, you've put us all in a cultural rat race, leaving us with just enough fucking self-esteem for us to chase. Chase a dying breed of a man that's running so far and fast from home we feel the need to pick up the pace Spewing words of vulgarity calling us every name in the book But the Bible says unto a woman a man is supposed to speak life The Bible says the man that's found a good thing is the man that's found a wife But you freely spit these words of obscenity robbing us of our royal grace How could you call a black woman a bitch then go home and lick your mama in the face? 
And society will have you thinking the grass is always greener on the other side, but trust and believe when shit hits the fan, the bounce in her hair won't stop her from walking you in those papers straight to chase. And on that we can bank. Black man, let me help you. The grass is greener where you water it. The more you water, the purer the fruit. And if you'd study the origin of your true history, you'd be watering out the root because mass media won't educate you on your royal oats. See, they'll have you thinking our history started. We were shipped over in those boats. See, they want to make you forget about black queens like Amina, the queen of Zaria, Candace, the empress of Ethiopia, the queen of Kemet, Nefertiti. See, those are the faces you will never see on TV. And black men don't think shit changed because ain't shit changed since the 60s. They doing everything but wearing white hoods, burning down churches and flags. Every chance they get, they'll Kim Court and Chloe your ass and I cried tears when I wrote these words because I'm standing here open like king what about me what about your queen don't let these false images of society make you run there are still good black women out here walking fresh out of the pages of Proverbs 31 and we're crying out like I'm all you need I'll sew the thread I'll bake the bread I'll keep you mentally spiritually emotionally fed black man I will pull greatness out of you I'm preparing myself for the day like the Bible says you you leave your mother and father and we we become one I would happily give you your first son. We would do things like, I'll teach him how to tie his shoes, and you teach him how to drill the screws, and I'll make us all dinner, and you, you could just do the dishes, but mass media has convinced you to need two chains and need two bitches. But just like your mama, when you fall, I'ma always be here to tend the stitches and fix your britches. And my soul grows weary and my heart sometimes stings because through all the trials and tribulations, every inch of my body still believes the black man is king. And in case you didn't hear me, yes, the black man is king and I'll bow down at his presence. And I believe God cut me from his rib so I can mirror his essence. Black men, take care of it and it will take care of you. Take care of home. Treat your woman like a precious stone. With clean hands and a clean heart, touch her soul. That was the poem. And we got engaged seven months later. That brought tears to my eyes. Oh my God, did it? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That was very powerful. Thank you. I meant every word. Damn. Oh my God, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> mm. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. I was touching. Thank you. I like to say I'm not a poet. I'm a truth teller. It's just words that I believe. It's, it's things that I, I truly believe, and I'm, I feel so convicted by them. Shout out to Jay Morrison, because if I would have heard that poem, hey, <laughs> <laughs> shit over it, man. Listen. <laughs> Lily, he's like, oh, so you want to come on the rest of the tour with me? We doing, we touring for the next Yo. seven months. Sign me up, baby. You coming with me. <laughs> I ain't letting nobody have this. <laughs> wow. Ooh, seem a little shaken up over there. That was really touching. Jeez, like, wow, thank you. I felt that. I appreciate that. Felt that. I never really witnessed um, poetry live. Really? No. Wow, that was an introduction for your ass. <laughs> Good one, too. Thank you. Yeah, you, you speak with so much, like, passion. What, I mean every word. What did you, like, what made you write that? You know what's crazy? I never actually sat down to write a poem. I've never said, like, I'm going to have a writing session on Tuesday at 7, and I'm going to just sit yeah. and write. Like, poems just come to me. Like, a line may come to me in the shower or while I'm driving, and it'll just come to me, and I'll write it down, and then I'll build off of it, like, when I feel the spirit. And um, I think it was a time where, when I wrote that poem, I just had such an affinity for black men because I just saw how black men were being slain 
by police being slain in the street and just murdered and I felt like there needed to be an outpour of love for black men. I needed black men to know that black women love you. We need you. And I think that it was a time too where like, you know, women, I don't need a man. I'm I'm independent. And it's like, no, like I want, I wanted at that time. And I still believe this, but I'm married now. But as a single woman, I wanted you to know like, no, I do need you. I do make my own money. I do have my own brand. I'm Mm -hmm. smart. I'm intelligent. I'm all of that, but I still need you. Mm -hmm. Like I need, I think you're supposed to need a man. We're, we're, it's, 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 it's a design. It's a spiritual design. You know what I mean? So no matter how much money you make or how independent a thinker you are, how smart you are, how successful you are, it is designed for us to need each other. And I, at that moment when I wrote that piece, or that piece really came to me, I just needed black men to know that I'm here for you. We are here for you. Black women, there are plenty of black women out here who are waiting for you. We love you. We, were, we are born to pour into you. We are born to nurture, to protect, to comfort, mm-hmm. to lift the word, one of my favorite lines in that poem says, I will pull greatness out of you. Like, I need you to know that that's a gift of mine. That is a gift of women and, and black women in particular. We will pull that greatness out of you. And I think that uh, black men were forgetting that. And I needed to send that reminder. Mm. Definitely a reminder. Yeah. At what, at, what was going on around the time? What year was this? What year did I write Black Love? It was around 2015. I was single. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I believe. I'm, 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 the, I'm the bad person with dates. I'll be like, yeah, they just happened last week. And my friends are like, that was six <laughs> months ago. I'm like, oh, was it? Like, I'm horrible with time. So please don't quote me on any time frames that I say, because I am the worst. But I do believe I was single then. I even shot a video for it. And, like, I had this super, like, this um, beautiful, like, dark-skinned black man in a, in, a, in a bathtub. And I poured milk all in the bathtub. It was, like, symbolizing just, like, it's being whitewashed, like the culture being whitewashed. And yeah. um, it was dope. So go check the video out on my YouTube. Black Love. Black Love. Y'all check it out. Yeah. How do, how do you find it? Black Love, uh, Ernestine Morrison on just, YouTube. Just send me the link. Yep. I'll put it in the description. Okay, cool. Yeah. I feel like we do need love. I mean, both sides. I feel like right now it's just like a friction between both sexes. Yeah. And it's like they got all these podcasts and they got these platforms yeah men just against women no there is and i was i made a post today like i'm y'all gay did we, right did we <laughs> like each other or what i was really going on like yeah why, what's what's it's okay to like love women yeah like, what's the issue for real and i get why i said this in one of my poems um dear black men i said um how can i expect you to know how to be in my life when you don't even know how to be in your own snatched from your home chain whipped and stripped from every piece of truth culture knowledge that you have ever known mm-hmm. so if we holistically because there are several of us who did come from a two-parent household and we yeah. saw how men treated women and we saw how women treated yeah. men but 70 percent of black households are, are, are single parent homes mm-hmm. so if we didn't grow up seeing the image and seeing a healthy image, then yeah. yeah, then you were 35 and you meet another 35 year old and you're like, I don't even know how to operate with you because I've never seen it. Right. So now it's like, I'm damn near enemy because I don't know you and you don't know me. Mm-hmm. But I think if we take the time to like understand that like spiritually, biblically, like we're meant for each other, let's, let's figure out this common ground, let's figure out the commonality, let's figure out how yeah. we love each other. Mm-hmm. It's a love language. Mm-hmm. Then I think we would be more successful in marriages and in relationship building. It's gonna be so hard because everything that they're they're putting in front of us. You know, back then, right? Years ago, like you could see the black family yeah. on TV. The music was softer, you know, R and B music. Yeah, R and B. Yes, bring it back. There's like can't even get that same type of music. Yeah. You can't see family matters. You know, like yeah. that was a black family that you just you love to see. 
Anything family like, matter, sister, sister, like just Wayne's, like just all the black all shows that. that show black families. Now it's like ass shaking. Like it's you don't get it, and I don't know. Like I don't know where I don't know where the culture gonna go because it's it's we seen it. Yeah, you know I'm in my thirties, but like the twenty year olds right now, like all they know is just like fast music, drugs, and fuck this hoe and yeah. That's all it's about right but now. But think about it too. It's it's what's being put out there, but it's also what the consumers are buying. Mm-hmm. So we have to like really get back to like you said something like that's all that's out there. It's like we can continue to live for the world and what they put out there, or right. we can just get to the source and get to God. Like mm-hmm. I'm God's girl. Like get to what God wants us to do. What does God want us to be doing? What does God want us to be consuming and reading and creating? Like I, my model is create, don't wait. So if we only see twerking and ass shaking. Mm-hmm. Let's create the family matters again. Let's yeah. create the sister sisters again. Let's create uh, living single and you know just a different. Like let, let's create it. Mm-hmm. Create the atmosphere and get back to like what God has designed us to be as creators, as consumers, mm-hmm. like we can control it or we can continue just being sheep and just being fed with putting our plate. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm a believer in just like controlling my plate. I'm going to control what's on my plate. Like I can't just keep letting you feed me nonsense and right, I just right. fall into the nonsense. Well, because that's what everyone's doing. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, what does God want me to do? And it hurt, it hurts sometimes to go against the grain and it's uncomfortable because you're like, well, everyone's doing this over here. But God's right. like, well, you're supposed to be doing this over here. Right. So you need to be over here with what God told you to do. Is that the angle you're going with, like with your production? Like, is that the angle? With my production, so our, our latest production, Scheme Queens, it is a comedic heist and it's, and it's light. It's a comedic heist film. Mm-hmm. It's... um. It's not like, you know, baby daddy drama and baby mama drama and she cheated and he cheated and oh, I caught... It's a light... It's about friendship. It's rooted in friendship. It's four black women figuring out life mm-hmm. together, f- f- problem solving together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I would love to say absolutely all the productions that I'm a part of, many of the productions I'm a part of. Um, I did another movie for BT called Hip Hop Holiday that I was an executive producer on. It was a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like, let's get back to just some lighthearted, real life things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's why they portray it, because. <clears throat> That's what's happening. So let's just keep entertaining people with this right here. Mm-hmm. Because that stuff, what the the black family looks boring. Black love seems boring. So let's just give them the bullshit. Let's yeah. keep them entertained. It's really dumbing us down, though. Let's just keep dumbing, us, dumbing them down so they don't learn how to think outside of what's being put on their plate. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm such an advocate for like, yo, get outside of yourself. Get outside of your circles. Meet new friends. Read new books. Watch new shows. Like I told you earlier like i'm i'm watch shows all different types of shows shows i may not even be interested in i just watch them just to see like what are they, what are they talking about mm-hmm. like i just want to open my mind to things outside of like what's directly right in front of my face the trending things like yeah. that stuff doesn't mean anything let's like study different cultures let's read let's just get out of your social media comments like read a book let's pick up a book <laughs> That's a like stuff. i still read novels <laughs> yeah yes what kind of novels Oh, I, I, I take it back to like Zane and Sister Soldier. So Coldest Winter Ever is my favorite book ever. Man, Sister Soldier. Sister Soldier. Shut up. The Coldest Winter, man. The Coldest Winter Ever is and will for always be my favorite book. I have read it 11 times. Wait, the cold, is it The Coldest Winter and then it's Coldest Winter Ever? Coldest Winter Ever. That's the first one, right? That's the first one. Okay, I bet. Yes. Yeah, I read that. Yes. Favorite. 11 times? Favorite. 11 times. I still will read it. Like every so often, I'll just pick it up. 
because I like to get outside of like, you know, there's the, you know, the alchemist and mm-hmm. the, all the self-help and financial books, but I like to read fantasy. I like to read novels. Yeah, yeah. I pick up a book and just read a novel because it just, it helps you escape what's right, right. being fed to you. And this takes your mind into a different realm. So like, I always tell people like, yeah, all the self-help books are cool. The business books are cool. The mindset books are cool, but pick up a novel, mm-hmm. read a fantasy book, read an erotica book. Pick up some Zane. <laughs> Zane freaking. Shout out to Zane. Pick up some Zane. Old school. Take it old school. Uh-huh. Sex Chronicles. Addicted. Nervous. Pick up an old school just erotica book and just escape. Mm-hmm. Escape this. Mm-hmm. Escape reality. I know the coldest winter, like when I read it, like I could just visualize the story in my head. Mm-hmm. It was so real. Mm-hmm. And I wanted so much more of it. Like, I think I ordered it, like the second book. And I the want third the book movie. I thought it was a movie coming out. I've been hearing that for ten years. Yeah. I, and I did read the sequel. Yeah. I read Midnight. Midnight. I read Portia. Midnight was a good story too. Midnight was a good story. Mid- Midnight was cold. He was. Let me tell you, my favorite was Winter. Winter Santiago. Like Winter single handedly taught me so much about life, like being a woman. Like. Yeah. I could just imagine Winter. She was just a cold baddie. Like she kept her nails yeah, done. Yeah. She kept her fits. She kept her hair done. I, as a as a sixteen year old, fourteen year old, whatever however I was reading these books, I'm like, Winter taught me a lot. Like make sure you look good. You polish your, yeah. your clothes are ironed. Your nails are done. Your hair is fresh. Like Winter taught me that. Mm-hmm. Literally, Winter was a cold piece. I already know it. I can't really remember Santiago for real. Santiago was the dad. I know. Drug dealers in jail. He went to jail, right? He went to jail. Yeah, I think I think there was like a raid or something. They, they, yeah. Because remember, they moved out of like the hood and they moved to the big house. Uh-huh. And they came and raided. They took him. They took him away. I learned a lot from um, Midnight. Midnight, yeah. Midnight would just, he was just, even though like he, I think a he got silent raped assassin. right? He got raped in, in jail. I can't remember that. I can't remember that. But like just his, um, his demeanor. His demeanor. And I don't know how she was just able to like, put that in the story and mm-hmm. you felt that through the story like yeah. he wasn't like the way he protected his mom and sister man. like I always like think like about a man's that. man yes at yes. 16 yes and I, like I bought a knife like I keep a knife on me sometimes just cause, just because I, I got that from him like midnight influenced that hell yeah come on sister soldier bring it back you just never know like man he yeah. was he was prepared yes he wasn't, he wasn't looking and he for was it. Muslim right he was Muslim yeah he was Muslim yeah he was like strong into his faith yes. yes yes and like I think a man was trying to talk to his mom or something he was like he killed the nigga. He killed somebody. He murdered somebody. Man, I can't remember. He did. He murdered somebody because. I think you're right. Someone that was like coming at his mom. Uh, he protected his family. Yeah, at a young age, and I was like, "That's me right there." Think about that. At a young age, you're reading that. Like, what do you have like that now? Nothing. To really just model after. Maybe it's out there, but it's not being. It's not in your face. Advertised, right? Yeah. But I think everybody should read that. Everyone should read The Coldest Winter Ever. Everyone should read Midnight. Mm-hmm. Everyone should just read Sister Soldier books in general. Does she still write books? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Do you write books? I, I've written a poetry book, mm-hmm. virally speaking. It's all my viral poems. I want to write a book. About? My life. Okay. Because you spent some time behind bars. Mm-hmm. How many years? How do you know Another thing or two. I know the episode is getting really good. Before we dive any deeper, I need to get into the sponsor for this today's episode. Being an entrepreneur, creating and maintaining a business is tough. We all know this. There's a thousand other people that's grinding just like you. 
What I'm getting at is you don't have to do this alone. Did you know that there's a morning call every day, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. Eastern? It's called The Morning Meetup, made for you. It's created by David Shans, the top entrepreneur who built multi-million dollar businesses. Yes, you heard this correctly. This is a group made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Do you feel stuck? That means you need to get into the room with high-level entrepreneurs. Get in the room. Basically, if you're tired of holding your own weight and it's entrepreneurship, you need to join. www.themorningmeetup.com. Join, connect, grow. I'll see you guys there. It's back to the episode. <laughs> I think or two. I did, I did three years. Three years? Was it prison or jail? It was prison, federal prison. What did you do? Um, the crime? Yeah. Fraud. Okay. That's how I came up with the acronym. Oh, got you. Yeah. What did that experience teach you? Like, what did you take the most away from that? I learned so much. I'm really glad I went through that experience. Did you learn how to be a, a, be- a better criminal in jail? I did. I heard that before. I did. That's what I, I, I really studied um, crime. Mm. I studied my crime and I studied other criminals for like the first year. Mm-hmm. And then, because um, I was like trying to get out of jail quick. Mm-hmm. And they have a program called RDAP, which um, allows you to get out of prison a year early. And that was like the whole goal. Like, let me go through RDAP. Let me hurry up and get out of prison so I can get back. What, what did going. you have to do? What was the requirements? Oh, my God. It was like, so like they had these different dorms, you know, th- maybe like 12 dorms in this federal prison I was at and um, this one dorm that's where they kept all the people in the program and in this program you had to kind of like conform to like these rules and like you had to be a certain type of person you had to really kind of be perfect Mm -hmm. but it wasn't it was a drug program but it was more about behavior and they wanted you to fix your behavior it was really like acting that people had to snitch on each other (laughs) that's what it was because when I first got in there everybody was Weird. I'm like, what the fuck? I never seen. Mm-hmm. So we're in prison. Like, why are you theater, acting like this? Theater class. Like, yeah, you supposed to curse, bro. I'm like, what you mean? I ain't supposed to curse. Like, what? What you talking about? Yeah. Oh yeah, you gotta fold your clothes. You gotta do this. You gotta. I just didn't understand that first. But everybody was kind of acting because they wanted to get home. Mm-hmm. Me, I'm just, I just can't follow rules. And I got kicked out the program for some bullshit. <laughs> I got kicked out the program, and when once I lost that year, it made me kind of like think about life like mm-hmm. why because just like you said it don't happen to me happen for me mm-hmm. so I'm thinking like okay why would this happen to me yeah and I just started just changing my mindset like yeah. right, let me let me use this year to do something else yeah because I had a whole grand scene in my, my mind like okay I'm about to I made two out. million I'm gonna do this I'm like I'm gonna make like 20 million this time I already I, I knew I could do already it planned it out I already I knew I could do it. I had a team. fraud I was on food card? stamp fraud. You made two million off food stamps? Yeah. Sheesh. Yeah, I was going crazy. I didn't even know you could do fraud off food stamps. Yeah, you could. You could. Well, what I was doing, I would take people's um, information. Mm-hmm. Like I'll take name, birthday, social, and I'll apply for food stamps, and I would do it by the thousands. Mm. And and then I. I was that I, time consuming? It was, but what else I had to do? It was like Sheesh. a job. Clocking and, in, clocking out. Sheesh. <laughs> and then I had to get a convenience store to swipe. You know, to, to filter the fund, the money, the filter, the money mm-hmm. out the cards. And I mean, I just got a team at, at one point and it just kind of was like clockwork. Wow. And when I, I got caught on some bullshit because I was just moving too fast and I was hiring a bunch of people and I, I didn't kind of vet them out and people stole from me. And then they kind of like, that's how I got caught. So I always felt like it wasn't my fault. Mm. Like 
and I was mad at it. Like, damn, like they fucked up my whole operation. I need to get back to this. Yeah. I need to get back to this this money. And so while I sat down for this extra year and, and some change, like I came up with this brand. Like you needed that year. I needed it. I literally believe, and it sounds cliche, but like all the cliche stuff you hear growing up, you you wake up at in your 30s and you're like, oh, all that cliche, cliche stuff is like real. Yeah. Like it literally, like if you look at yourself like a toolbox, you have all these different tools in your box now. Mm-hmm. You needed these tools. You needed that year. You mm-hmm. needed that fraud experience. You needed all of that to build you, to make you who you are now sitting on this mic. Mm-hmm. I needed the experiences that I went through to make me Ernestine Morrison now. Mm-hmm. Unfuckwittable. Unfuckwittable. <laughs> confident. Yeah. Know who I am. I needed all of the all of the nasty, gritty, nasty things. I needed mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even have this podcast for real because everything that I experienced in the last, well, just my whole life, but I can speak about prison. I can speak about like mm-hmm. illegal things. I could teach people about, you know, like getting out of that world. Yeah. You know, because I've been through it. That's why, like, I could connect with so many people. I can yeah. connect with people, like, on women. I can connect on the streets. It's like, I'm so versatile with this, this podcast. Yeah. And that's why it's, it's, it's going so good for me. But I needed it. I, yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have been right here. Like, yeah. You wouldn't be who you are. Rich and unemployed. I came up with all of that sitting in a jail cell. Yeah. You needed that. So it made me a better man, too. Like, I, was, I just was surrounded by men. Different, all different type of men, like mm-hmm. older men, younger, dumb What's niggas. The best advice you got in jail, in prison. Not to come back, because <laughs> <laughs> I would, it would, it would be guys in there that would. This would be like their third time, and it didn't, it didn't phase them. Jeez. They didn't, they didn't give a fuck. And people would tell me like, "Yo, you, oh, you got another bid in you." I like, no, the fuck, I don't. No, I don't, sir. <laughs> and that's you got me. another bid in you. Huh? That's what I'm <laughs> saying. Here. Oh yeah, you. How old you is? Twenty eight. Man, you come back. You ain't learned your lesson. Wow. And if if he didn't tell me that, I, that it wouldn't have stuck. Mm. I always remember that, like, oh, no. Nah, prob- the reality of that probably hit you, like, no, nah, I'm not nah, going to I can't prove these niggas right. Yeah. I can't come back and be like, bro, I told you so. Yeah, yeah. Nah, I can't be one of them. And it's like, I think that they just don't use that time wisely. And prison, you have so much time on your hands to figure something out. Just figure it out. On the streets, like, I had so much time in prison. When I got out, it was moving so fast. I had to react. Like, okay, everything that I got mapped out, I need to do it right now because mm-hmm. I'm never going to get this type of freedom. That, like, that was freedom to me. Like, they locked the body up, but my mind was, I didn't Stillness. have. Stillness. You had time to time. think. I, I wish, not wish to go back to prison, but yeah. I wish I could have that type of, like, peace. Is that why you meditate? Yeah. Well, meditate it, it, only it, before your show, you just meditate daily. No, I meditate all the time. Okay. If, it, if it's 10 seconds, if it's five minutes. Just to clear my mind. If I, I don't even get mad anymore, I don't get angry. Mm-hmm. I just gotta breathe mm-hmm. and think. That's good. I don't let um, my emotions like dictate like my actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. But I used to be like hot headed. Like I just. What's on your necklace? My mom. Is that you? With her? Mm-hmm. Let me see. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cute. She passed away while I was in prison. Oh wow. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. But that made me a stronger person as well. Mm-hmm. And so I use all of that. All tools, man. All, All tools. tools. And I think there's so much freedom when you allow yourself to use them as tools. Like so many people bury these things. Right. And it consumes them and it, and it, and it defines them. Mm-hmm. Like I know so many people who operate from a space of hurt and pain. It's like, oh my God, is you've let it consume you. Like don't let it consume you. Use it. 
Yes, I went to prison. Yes, I divorced. Yes, the death affected me. Yes, the loss affected me. Yes, the, the millions I lost affected me. Whatever, whatever mm -hmm. the case, the molestation, the rape, the abuse, the trauma. Yes, it affected me, but it built me mm -hmm. to who I am. I'm using it as a tool. It's a tool in my toolbox. I gotta embrace it. You gotta embrace it. Mm -hmm. You gotta walk in it proudly. Yeah, because once you bottle it up, once you, like, one day it's gotta come out. Yeah. And you don't know how it's gonna come out. Yeah. And you don't know, like, who you're going to hurt. You don't know, like, if you're going to like, self-destruct. you got to find those outlets to just let it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, really, it's, it's one of the reasons why I'm an actor. I was going to ask that, like, it's poetry and acting. like Acting and poetry, the arts in general. I mean, I've, I grew up a theater baby. I grew up in the arts. It is an outlet. Like, acting is one of the only jobs that I can personally think of where you're allowed to use all of that shit. Yeah. yeah the yeah. trauma, the guilt, the shame, the doubt, all of it, you're allowed to use it in your art. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, you know, if I was a doctor or a lawyer, I'd have to suppress it. I can't be doing surgery and thinking about the hurt. Right, right. But in acting on the stage, on the camera, I get to let it all out. It actually makes me better. It makes me a better actor. Right. That I have these real-life experiences, these real-life mm -hmm. tools I get to use and emote mm -hmm. through a camera. I fucking love that. I bet. It's the best job. I get the same type of feeling with podcasting. Yeah. It's art. I get the same type of feeling. So artists are the best people. Mm -hmm. I love my job. But I do want to get into acting. Um, I did, you going to let me be your acting coach? You do that? Every Wednesday night. Acting class every Wednesday. I've seen hundreds of people there. Like, that was a lot of people. No, that's Greenlit the event. Okay. And then there's Greenlit the acting class. Oh, so okay. Greenlit the acting class is every Wednesday night. You should come. What time? 7 to 9 at the Legacy Center. I got to find a way to fit that in my schedule. Yeah, it's fun. It's really, really good. I went to one acting class, and I killed it. Okay. And I did an acting like gig, no, not a gig, like a class in like college. I did like okay. a um. What's the thing? And when you do like a, it's just you by yourself. A monologue. It was a monologue. Yeah. It was a monologue of Tupac when he was in Juice. You remember it? I don't remember it. <laughs> I was say, let me see, let me hear it. <laughs> but I did. I went hard on that stage, and okay. I put so much like. Swag into it, man. <laughs> like, I was Tupac up there. <laughs> Bishop. Yes. I was Bishop up there. <laughs> That's dope. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, you have to come to our acting class Wednesday night. I'll come by. See what you got. I put you on these movies. I'm telling you, that is my calling for real. <laughs> okay, let's do it. I'm telling you. I used to tell people that I was going to be famous. Even when I meditate, I like, I tell myself I'm going to be famous. And now that it's really happening... It's really Are weird. you famous? I don't think I'm famous, but people think I'm famous. Really? Okay, so let's define let's define famous because mm -hmm. we live obviously in a complete like when I I grew up kind of in the industry. I mean, my my very first set was Seventh Heaven back when I was ten years old, right? And back then, when you were famous, you were like a big star, a big actor, right. a big time producer, or big time athlete, Michael Jordan, or yeah. you know, Scottie Pimpin, Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. So now with social media, it seems like there are so many people that have found fame. Right. But does that mean you're famous or does it mean you're popular? Does it mean you're known? Does it mean you're influential? Like when people be like, I'm an influencer. I'd be right. like, really? Are you? Right. What, what does that really mean to be an influencer? Do you really influence people or you have right. a following? Right. It's a difference. Because I feel like famous. And I could just, it just could be the old school way of thinking for me because I grew up in the industry. When I think of famous, I think of Will Smith. Mm -hmm. I think of Leonardo DiCaprio. I mm -hmm. think of Denzel Washington. I think that's, yeah. those are celebrities who are famous. Mm -hmm. 
When I think of social media, I believe that there are popular people and known people, but are they famous? I could be wrong. Correct me. Are no, they famous? I, th- I think that they're popular. Um, so are you popular or are you famous? Oh, let me explain. <laughs> so the, the word influencer, it's just a word. It doesn't really mean what it, what it says. Because well, why doesn't it? Words have meaning. It does, but uh, it's just a title. Because are you really influencing people or people just like your stuff? You know, people just go to your page so and if like. if you're not really influencing, should you be classified as an influencer? You I shouldn't. You should be. No. You should be popular. You should be popular. Right. I think a lot of people on social media are popular. With me, I'm not famous. If I am famous, I'm just not. It's classes of fame. <laughs> I'm not up there with Will Smith, but, you know, I might be D-list or some shit. Like, <laughs> D-list. F-list. F- F- <laughs> yeah, you know like, I'm somewhere down there, but I know that I'm very impactful. Um when people meet me. So people know you like when you go to the grocery store and people are like, oh my God, it's you from the yeah. podcast. Okay. And the feeling that they get from me, it's not just like, oh, bro, you the podcast guy, what's up? It's like, bro, I fuck with you. Like, bro, okay. like you keep doing what you're doing for the culture. It's like, damn, you changed like the way I'm thinking. Or like, mm. bro, I need, if I don't post, if I miss a week without posting. Mm-hmm. People are like, where you at? Bro, what, what's going on? Yeah. Bro, we need, like, where it's at? I need you. And that right there is powerful. Yeah. So I know that I might not be the a list, B list, but I impact a lot of people. I am really influence people. Okay, that's dope. I'm shifting people's mindset. Minds, yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. And it's just getting bigger and bigger. That's but awesome. like, people think I'm famous. Like when they see people posting me, like I don't think nothing of it. I just think like, okay, they just fuck with what I got going on. But it's like, man, everybody posting you, bro. Like everybody know you. And yeah, I guess I struggle. I just have a hard time with that when people be like, I heard. I'm not even say this person's name, but I was watching something on one of the blogs the other day, and the guy was like, "Well, I'm a, I'm a real celebrity," and I, in my mind, I was like, "Are you? Yeah. Are you?" When I think celebrity, I think right. Kevin Hart. But you say real celebrity. When you say a real celebrity, I'm thinking Kim Kardashian. I'm right. thinking Will Smith. I'm like, "Are you a real celebrity? Are you an influencer, right. popular person on social media?" Right. It's a difference. <laughs> yeah, because even me, I'm like. You know, I think I would like to say I'm known. Right. I wouldn't say I'm famous. Right. I think my work is famous. Mm-hmm. I would say I'm a, um influential person. I think so. I would say I'm a public figure. I would think so. Before I knew who you were, I knew who you were. Okay. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Your name ring bells. Okay. With, not the Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> the Morrison. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Well, it's crazy because when I first met my husband, I didn't know his influence. And I used to think it was weird. Like, we used to go to the corner classes and people were, like, waiting to take pictures and, like, get their books signed. And I'm, like, over, like, an educator? I didn't know that. Right. I didn't understand it then. I'm, like, uh, over a teacher? Like, a that's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. But now I see it's, like, so big. Like the influ- the uh, educators are all, like, so yeah. famous. I'm, like, wow, this is, yeah. this is a different world. This is a different time we live in. He was the first. He was the first pioneers of this 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 black Facts. entrepreneur, uh, mentored yeah type of situation yeah yeah it's crazy because eight months before I met him he had a video go viral and it was he was debating some guy on Fox Business News and the question was does the U.S. government hate black people and the way he answered this question man was so poised and eloquent I saved that video to my phone and I met him eight months later wow that, was I, that long ago yeah that was. That was 2016, maybe, that he did that? Listen, when I said that... And when I said the way he broke it down, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this guy need to meet. Yo, listen, I always thought, like, man, if they were to ask me that same question, (laughs) I would not have answered it that way. I swear to God, when I said I was like, God damn, this nigga... 
He really just went in on the this, people. This king. Man. <laughs> I was like, bro, I, I, that, <laughs> I couldn't have done that. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's literally, and not just because he's my husband, but he's one of the smartest people that I know. His, the way his mind, he's brilliant. He's, yeah. he's really a pioneer in this space. And um, I, I love to see so many seeds that he's planted and helped plant it. Like, I, I love to see them just sprouting up everywhere. But he's really a brilliant mind. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. dope. Yeah. That is really dope. Very smart guy. I don't even know him. <laughs> I just know of his work. Yeah. I just know what he does. I know people that signed up for his, you know, mentorships and Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Do you ever worry about like infidelity since he's like so popular? Since he's so like he's so When I tell you that has literally been the least of yeah. our worries or arguments or strife. Mm-hmm. The least. Why though? I'm not saying it can never happen. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Cause it'd just be, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying it never happened, but that is not our, that is not our thing. Yeah. Where we have had strife or disagreements or arguments is, um, I would say a power struggle, especially in the beginning. Cause I just came in like I'm Ernestine Johnson. Right. I know you're, I know you're who you are, right? but I like, I'm who I am. And I think in the beginning was a power thing right. where I had to learn it and, and still learning quite truthfully. I had to learn to like, you're the leader Take the back seat. of this. I had to take the back seat. Mm-hmm. and I'm a, I'm, but I'm a backseat driver sometimes. I'm like, no, go left. No, go right. Oh, to, oh, oh, duck. Oh, nigga, use her. Uh-huh. And I had to learn to be like, nope, he's the driver. Let him drive. Even though we missed the turn three minutes ago, I'm going to yeah. let him figure it out. <laughs> so that's, yeah, the infidelity has been the least of our I would rather have those like power struggles versus infidelities yeah that's that's. and I think I think it's when you meet people like my husband's 42 years old I think you know yeah. I'm at him at a perfect time I can't say in all of his dating history that wasn't an issue but mm-hmm. I think that we're, where we met each other in life it's like I'm ready tired of the game it's tired yeah. of the riffraff like yeah. it's time I think that's how I'm gonna go out too like, <laughs> are you gonna go out <laughs> That's going out. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get out the game just like that. Like, I'm going to be like 37, 36. Yeah. That's when I met my husband, 36, 37, yep. Yeah, I'll be done. Yeah, like, get, I'm, get I'm it all done. out out your system now. It's out of my system now. <laughs> I'm just working. And, you know, like, I don't, I'm trying to build something. Yeah. And I don't want that to get in the way of my relationship. Yeah. Because I'll neglect somebody. Because this comes first. Yeah. I can't. I can't put my all into someone. Yet. Even yet. No, so yet. you built this up into where it's just running on autopilot and then yeah. you can add someone into the fold. Right. Because I'm telling you, man, like to be successful and lonely is not what you want. No. I love when I like come home and my baby's there and she's happy to see me and my husband, right. he walks in the house. Like that feeling is like, oh, uh, this is my crew. Uh, it's like, of course you have your friends and they're your crew, but like my crew yeah. is my baby and my husband. That's my crew crew. Like, I love having that crew. That's dope. Yeah. Black love. Yeah. Shout out to black love. Let's toast to that. Toast to that. <laughs> How many kids do you have? One. Two bonus children. So Jay has two daughters from her pre- previous relationships, and then we have our daughter together, Kobe. That was never an issue? His daughters? Yeah. No. Mm-mm. Not, not at all. But what's crazy is, when I was single, I did always say, like, I don't want to date a man with kids. Like, I don't want to deal with right. no one's kids. But when I met Jay, it was like, it was not an issue at all. I'll take the chance with him. <laughs> Taking a chance. He's the one. I saw the video. <laughs> chance with him. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
That's what I don't want, though. I, ain't gonna lie. I don't want to have kids before I get into a serious relationship. So you have no kids? Nope. Oh, that's great. I'm the perfect guy. Oh, man. Oh, perfect. Jeez. Big P. Perfect. Jeez. Not, like, perfect, but... you saying is you're a good catch? I'm a, I am the catch. A man with no kids? I'm the catch. And it's mid to late 30s? That's a catch, ladies. I'm in young, early 30s. Oh, you're in, you are Yeah, in we ain't even touched mid yet. So I know, you know, I can't just let anybody <laughs> just have this. You know what I mean? Like, I got to take my time. Just can't let anyone. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want to just have kids. Like, but it's, I ain't going to say it's hard, but I really want a child. Like, I wanted, I wanted to get out of prison, like, pop one out. You did? Yes. Why? Maybe because I lost my mom, and I just wanted some type yeah. of, like, unconditional love. Where's your dad? He lives in Jersey. Okay. Relationship? Our relationship? Do you have a relationship with him? Somewhat. He cool. It's not like I call him every day. I need to call him. He's getting old, so. But it's not like a father and son. Got you. Yeah, bond. Okay. So with a child. Do like you I, want a father and son bond with him? I think it's too late. I mean, but when I link with him. It's never too late. It's never too late. But when I link with him, like, it's, we do. It's cool. But, like, we've been, we had this relationship for so long. It's just, that's what it is. It's, I don't know, maybe, maybe I started. Mm-hmm. He's getting old. He's, like, 63 or 4 or something. It's never too late. Never too late. Because I would feel bad if he died. Like, damn. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Your mind just went somewhere. Where did your mind go? I thought about your mom. I was going to ask you, like, well, how's your relationship? My mom, um, I moved here from California when I had the baby, when I had Kobe. I moved my mom here. So she's the granny nanny. So we actually pay her. She's the granny nanny. Um, she has an amazing relationship with my daughter. Like, I think my daughter is actually her favorite. Like, my daughter loves her. So I love that. Um, we are growing. We're close. We're very close. But I think we probably could be emotionally closer. Like, we're close in the sense, like, I'm over there weekly. We have dinners. We right, go right. out. We travel together. She's always with Kobe. Yeah. Um, but I think, there, I think we could grow emotionally more. Mm-hmm. But I think because of that emotional detachment of just me being so emotionally independent growing up, mm-hmm. it feels as though, like, okay, well, this is just normal. This is how it's always been. I'm emotionally, I'm emotionally independent. Mm-hmm. But we're close. We're physically close, if that makes sense. How My mom was dope, though. Everyone loves her. How did she take it when you told her? Um, I don't really know, to be honest. Why did you decide at the age of 30 to tell her? Well, it all went with that prayer when I said, please rid me of people, places, and things that do not serve me. And I felt that that was a big thing weighing on me. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I couldn't walk into my truest calling and my highest self with that baggage on me. It was too heavy. I didn't want to carry that heavy baggage anymore. Mm-hmm. I needed to be light. I needed to be baggage free when I walked into my 30s so I can walk into my truest calling, my highest frequency. And I don't believe you can do that when you're carrying heavy weight. So the tough conversations that you need to have, the, the apologies that you may need to go through, the, the, just all the heaviness that is just weighing on our shoulders, I think it's important when you're ready to go to the next level, mm-hmm. it's important to get that up off you. And I had to do it for me to get it up off me. 
Yeah. You're a very strong individual. Thank you. I'd like to think so. I don't think you're intimidating, though. Oh, you don't think I'm intimidating? Mm. Yeah, I... Before this this all started, I was I was letting you know that uh, people definitely say like I am intimidating. I don't try to be. Mm-hmm. I do think though, in my studies as an actress as well, like I do think there's something intimidating about a person who is ultra confident, because most people let me tell you this most people are walking around here not really confident, mm-hmm. and some people are good at faking it, and even the mm-hmm. ones that are faking I can always see through it. Mm-hmm. But when you walk into a room, when someone walks into a room and they walk into the room with such a level of truth, it's almost scary. It's like, ooh, that's scary. What, what, do, they, what do they do? Mm-hmm. How are they able to be so truthful? How are they able to be so just bold and commanding and demanding and requiring things? Mm-hmm. But deep down inside, you wish you had that in you. Mm-hmm. So you want to pick it apart and then you want to say, oh, she's, she's a lot or she's extra or she's intimidating. No. Mm-hmm. It's something about me that you want to have in you and I want you to have it too. This is empowering. This is freedom. Mm-hmm. This is baggage up off me. I want you all to have it. Because when you walk into a room, you walk into rooms differently. I walk into rooms differently now. When I tell you there's no room I walk in that I don't feel like I belong in, because I remember there were times where I would sit at tables and I'd be like, I don't think I belong here. Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough to be at this table. I'm not worthy enough to be at this table. How did I even get here? But all the time God was showing me, every table you sit at, you belong there. I invited you. There was a name plate with your name on it at the seat. I didn't know that five years ago. I didn't know that maybe even four years ago. Now I walk into rooms. I'm like, where's my seat? Mm-hmm. Is this Mor- Morrison? Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Such an empowering feeling. There's nobody I sit with where I'm like, I don't belong here. I belong everywhere I sit. You gotta walk in like you own the place. And it's not even necessarily you gotta walk in like you own the place. You just have to walk in like you belong there. Because I don't think I walk into every place like I own the place because there are owners. Mm-hmm. And I want you to be the owner. Like, you're the owner of this place? Cool. Mm-hmm. But I'm letting you know, I walk in like there was a seat for me here. This was my seat. I'm comfortable in this seat. I think, you, I think this is the talk that you had with the group of people when I first was introduced to you at Dave's um, boot camp. You were speaking about confidence and walking into a room. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. I always say... Your presence and your confidence speaks for you before you even open your mouth. When you walk into a room or walk into a space, how you walk in, your aura, your presence, your energy speaks for you before you do. Mm-hmm. So if you walk in with your shoulders back, your held, your, your you know, posture, your chin up, people are going to be like, ooh, who's that? Mm-hmm. But if you walk in the room like, oh, I don't know if I belong here. I don't, I don't know if I'm worthy. And mm-hmm. My shoulders are slumped. People notice that too. You choose... I always say, like, the root word of authority is author. You are the author of your own story. You give things power. Your thoughts, your words, you give it power. Mm-hmm. So whatever you walk into, whatever you give power to, that's what it will be. I just, whole, I just genuinely believe that. I believe that, too. Sometimes when I'm nervous, I have to give myself a self-talk. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell myself, okay, you're confident. You're confident. You belong here. I have to give myself. The, and then when I walk in the room, when, mm-hmm. I'm, when I'm around whoever, like, that's, I feel yeah. that I could. Yeah. Hear myself telling myself that. Yeah. And what's crazy is any room you've ever been in in your life, even the rooms you thought you weren't worthy enough to be in, Mm -hmm. you were supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. When I tell you I'm going to write a book one day because my story is crazy, like just the people I've encountered, like Dave Chance will tell you, like the people I know, my relationships, the the rooms I've been in, like you'd be like, how did you even get in this room? And there have been times where I thought to myself, how did I get in this room? But now looking back at 35, I look back, I'm like, I was always supposed to be there. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. I just remember times like, you know, being around Floyd Mayweather or Kevin Hart or just whoever. And I'm like, how am I here? And I looking back, I'm like, you were always supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. There was always a seat seat for you at that table. You were ordained. Ordained. You were ordained to be in the room that you've been in. You were ordained to be at the table that you've sat at. Now, once you start believing that and walking in that and owning that, that's when you really are empowered. I can say that when I first, like, um, started being around these entrepreneurs and stuff. Yeah. Me transitioning over to, like, being straight legit. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't making the same amount of money I was making. Yeah. Like, in the streets and stuff. So, like, as I'm walking in these rooms and I'm around these millionaires, I I felt like I didn't belong at first. Like, Mm, I can't even have conversations with these people because, like, all I know is... Streets. Streets. <laughs> you know, like, I can't, like, what the hell am I going to talk to you about? Come from the streets, you're the best CEO, though. Yeah, but at first, I didn't, I didn't. You didn't know that. I didn't get it. Yeah. And as I started being, cause they just like me. Yo, I say it all the time. Like, people be so intimidated by, like, entrepreneurs or millionaires or celebrities. I'm like, they got the same problems, if not worse. They just got more they're not. They're not confident. Sometimes right. they feel unworthy. Sometimes they feel undeserving. Very true. Like, I said this to my students the other day. We are all in the same boat, literally. Like, once you start living life, you truly understand that we are all in the same boat. Now, you may be in first class on the boat. Mm -hmm. You may be in economy class on the boat. You may know the captain of the ship. But at the end of the day, we we are all on the same boat. Very true. Literally. Mm -hmm. You got got, uh, confidence issues just like the next person has confidence issues. You have insecurities just like all of us have insecurities. Mm -hmm. You know, different. You just may have a couple more M's in your bank account than, than she does. Right, right. And, like, when people approach me and, you know, like, they look at me like I'm just that guy. Yeah. And I'm so humble and I could, you know, just talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, if people look at me like this and I could talk to them, any other celebrity or famous person or rich person, they'll do the same thing. So I, Literally. I, I shouldn't feel nervous or, like, intimidated by anybody. I, when I, I can't even begin the list of people I've had conversations with or I'm personal friends with. And I'm like, this person is bajillionaire how oh we're in the same boat okay mm-hmm. let's go same boat i had to learn that I yeah had to, i had to learn that but that, that took for me to understand it myself yeah and now it's like oh. and i think too like before you have money you think like money and fame means like you're a better person or something no and then when you get on this level and we all have money and we all mm-hmm. have notoriety or popularity you realize that is the that is the bare minute. Like mm-hmm. it's your spirit, it's your frequency, yeah. it's your knowledge, it's your intelligentsia, it's mm-hmm. your confidence, your spirit, your aura. That is the real riches. Mm-hmm. That's. Then I thought about. It, I'm like, oh, that's why I've always been at the table because I've always led with my spirit. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to lead with the things. Mm-hmm. I've always led with intelligentsia. I've always led with spirit. I've always led with frequency. That's why you were always at the table. Mm-hmm. That's the real. That was my real asset. Always. <laughs> do I seem confident? Do you seem confident? Mm-hmm. You seem like you have a level of confidence. Okay. I think so. you have a level of confidence. I think there's more in there. I, I feel like you're still shedding. Hmm. I feel like you're still unveiling hmm. and becoming. I guess I'll take that. I guess sometimes I'm more confident than others. Like other times. I think it's a process and a journey. I don't think you've just ever just arrived. I think that you're always finding, you're always discovering. You're, it's mm. always another level. As confident as I am, 
there's still insecurities that I have. There's still things that I want to change or want to work on, but I don't let it consume me or define me. Yeah. I know the core of me. I know who I am. And there's always another level. And I'm intentional about like, like looking at myself like an onion, like continue to pull back layers. There's yeah. another layer. Mm. Then the time that that happened to me in fourth grade, let me pull back that level. Then there was that one thing that happened to me in fifth grade. Let me pull back that layer. Like you just always grow. It's constant homework working on you. Mm-hmm. Constant homework. So it's like you've never arrived where you're just, I'm just always confident. I'm always powerful. No. I'm going to tell you that as a liar. It's true. That is very true. Yeah. But when I tell you self-work is fun for me, like my husband and I both, we're both very self-accountable. We're both very self-reflecting. And I'm like, okay, that wasn't cool to me. The way I responded to that, there's something in me I need to fix. I need to work on. I need to change. I need to evolve from this mindset. So I'm constantly working. I'm constantly discovering, writing down, unveiling, peeling back the layers to discover, like, how do I walk in my truest, most purest, boldest self? What occurs you to write the red bottoms? Because, like, I I know you probably wrote that a, a long time ago, but it still seems like it's relatable. Right now it is. Yeah. And like I said, I never wrote a poem. They write me. They come to me. Red Bottoms came to me, but I think it was that time where it just, like I just said, I've always led with my intelligence. I love that about me. I'm a pretty girl. I know I am. Now, I'm not the girl that you could probably come into my page for sex. You're not coming to my page because I'm wearing a cute little booty dress and my butt is it happens to be in the shot. Like, I'm not that girl. And mm-hmm. it's intentional. I can be. Body is on point. I don't. I choose to lead with mm-hmm. my intelligence. And I think that that is so special when women do that. Mm-hmm. And I, was think, I think at that time, it was just like the image of women and what we were leading with and what some of still leading with. Like, I don't personally think that that is special because you lead it with your body and you lead with the booty shots and the, let me angle so you can see this curve. Like, I just don't think that's special. I think it's special when a woman can, a woman can lead with her aura, her spirit, her frequency, her intelligentsia. And that's where Red Bottoms was born. Hmm. It's like when you think of Sarah Bartman, who literally was paraded around town. Her, her ass, her butt cheeks were literally paraded. People bought tickets to see her against her own will, her butt, her booty. And for us as black women especially to just parade it freely. That is crazy to me when Sarah Bartman was forced into to, to parading herself around mm-hmm. and we just do it freely. I'm like, what's special about that? Times have changed. What? Times have changed. Yeah, but it's like, that's why you've got the me's of the world because I'm going to change it to something different. And my whole crew is like that. Like, that's dope. I have an g- amazing circle of women around me. My friends are all dope. Mm-hmm. Sexy, but smart intelligent business owners know who they are self-assured mm-hmm. it's a difference what pisses me off when you meet these type of women that show their ass all day and it's like it's nothing else but There's that nothing else some of the be- most bad women i know some of the most beautiful women i know are dumb as a doorknob dumb as a doorknob <laughs> can't hold a conversation ma'am wow you just got nothing else to talk about you got nothing else to offer wow mm. Have you ever picked up a book? <laughs> Trust me, I haven't seen it all. And it's not condemn because I want to. I, w- I want to make that clear because I am super pro woman. It's not yeah. to condemn, mm-hmm. but it's to inspire to do something different. Yes. I love the body. It's cool. Show your body off. 
you want to get your body done. You want to show it off. You want to, what, cool. I love all that too. We all love all that. But what else? Mm-hmm. Is there something else you have to offer? Do you speak to women? All the time. Like in the, like, like as a motivational speaker. Absolutely. Yeah. I have a whole crown, crown, confidence, resilience, optimism, willpower, non-negotiables. Mm. Wearing your crown for real, not just saying queen, not just calling you a queen, not just giving you a crown, but the crown has to be built. Right. You have to walk into confidence. You have to understand that you've been resilient. You have to understand optimism, willpower, and setting clear non-negotiables with people, places, and things that do not serve you. Mm. Speak to women all the time, and men. It's not just for women. Men need to know how to walk in their crowns too, how to build that crown. King? King? <laughs> I love when you say king. <laughs> I don't hear enough of it. Come to the Legacy Center. <laughs> You're here all day. Our whole, our whole team member, all of our staff. Peace, queen, peace, king. We've got it written on the walls, the bathrooms. Mm-hmm. The Black House. That's the Black House. Mm-hmm. The Legacy Center. You got to come by. You know, I came by before. We had the grand opening. Oh, okay, cool. Yep, I was there at the grand opening. Didn't know that. That's so cool. That year was I got I just got out the halfway house. Twenty twenty, we had like three thousand people at the grand opening. Yep, I just got the halfway house. I had That's like dope. Um, How did you know about it? My cousin was like one of the investors. His name's on the wall oh, or something nice. like that. Oh, nice. That's dope. Yeah, I didn't know what it was. I so just, we opened January twenty twenty, and then COVID hit March. Yep. Shut down. Yep, I was at the halfway house then. Wow, that's insane. Jesus, look at God. The journey. Mm -hmm. Journey is so beautiful when you look back at it. Even the ugly parts, it's beautiful. It's like, wow, I needed that to happen for me. That's awesome. Good for you, man. Thank you. So what's next for you? You know, what's next for me is um, create, don't wait, man. Create, don't wait. As an actress, I have learned the power of create, don't wait, which is my my model. It's... Put myself in position in the industry and putting others on in the industry and telling real stories. So acting, producing, writing, directing, media mogul is what's next. Mm. I thought it was just an actress. Mm. I thought it was just a poet, but God is literally showing me, no, like media mogul. It's so crazy. I got invited to speak. This is a crazy story. I got invited to speak on a panel and the panel was called Industry Giants. And immediately I shrunk. I said, industry giant? Well, I'm not a giant. I'm not a giant yet. Uh I will be. And then God showed me, like, no, this is where I'm positioning you. You are industry giant. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? I'm going to New York. I'm going to L.A. People are like, oh, I heard of Greenland ATL. Oh, Oh, you're Greenland ATL. I'm like, wow. My media company, people are knowing about it everywhere. Greenland ATL, media. It's media mogul. That's what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Industry giant. I'm accepting it. I'm receiving it. I'm walking in it now. God already showed me. The minute I started to shrink when I saw that title and said Industry Giant Panel, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm, am I qualified to sit there yet? Mm-hmm. And God said, I already qualified you. Absolutely. That's why your name's on the paper. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, let's go. So that's what's next for me, Industry Giant. You know, sometimes you don't think you're, like, you're ready for certain situations. Like one time someone asked me to be, um, to speak at a conference. And I, was, I always told myself, like, I want to speak at conferences. Mm-hmm. I want to be the motivational speaker. And, but when it came to me, I was like, hold up, bro, I don't know. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait, this thing's moving kind of fast. Yeah, but I had to, I had to embrace it. I had to accept it. Like, okay, yeah. at what point am yeah. I going to get ready? What time? Yeah. So I had to just take it and just yeah. swallow whatever. Like, it's got to go sometimes. Go. Steve Harvey's quote, he said, uh, the parachute doesn't open until you jump. You That's just fact. literally have to jump. That's a fact. 
That's that's a fact. Do it scared. Do it not perfect. Do it. Just do it. Just mm -hmm. go. Just jump. Mm -hmm. Watch that parachute open. Mm. Get on that stage. Get on that mic. I'm, the the content boot, boot camp that David Shans had me yeah. speak at. When I tell you, Dave asked me to speak the same day. Didn't have a, anything prepared. Didn't have a program. Yeah. I'm like I'm like Dave. Really? You want me to speak today? I'm like uh, okay. What am I gonna speak about? God said it's already in you. This is what you do. You live it. Right, right. You were there. You saw what I did on stage. Yeah. That's off the rip. No notes, no PowerPoints, no thinking about it. Just, okay, you want me to go on stage? Cool. Done. What time you want me to go up? You was going. Going and flowing. You got to trust your journey. You got to trust yourself. It's like I, I literally understand that everything that I need is already in me. You just got to find it and be fearless enough to just expose it. It's already there. He wouldn't put you at the table if you weren't, if you didn't have the tools, mm -hmm. if you know, if you weren't prepared with the, equipped with the tools. So I'm like, okay, let's go. Cool. I didn't know who, I just knew you just his wife. But when you got on that stage and started, I was like. You're like, oh. What the hell does this lady do? This, <laughs> man, I'm telling you, like, you was going. I was like, such motivation in that. Wow, thank mm -hmm. you. That's interesting because there are people who have met me through my husband and they're like, their introductory to me was right. through my husband. Then there are people who've been knowing me since, I've been viral since before viral was a word, like mm. poetry videos, 60 million views, 40 million views, like Ernestine Johnson before like Ernestine Morrison, like th those people know me from like then, like I was with a, a troop called Ratchet People Meet with DC Youngfly back in, back in the day we were doing skits before skits was popular, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? I need to go back and go look at them because I need to go see the old you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember the skits, but I can't remember you. Yeah. I gotta go back and see. Okay. Yeah. See what you see how ratchet you was. Yeah, I wasn't the ratchet one. Oh, never, girl? never been ratchet. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, how did I get in ratchet people meet? I am the least ratchet of the group. But I was doing poetry, so they added my poetry element into oh, okay. the ratchetness. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're pretty dope, though. I like, appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. <laughs> you want to give another poem for you? Man, you're getting a free show tonight, huh? <laughs> you, don't to, you, don't to, you don't have to. You don't have to. I know that I got to post one of them. Um, I think the second one. Um, the Black Man. Okay. Post them both. I will. Okay. I think they're going to be very impactful. I love that. The way you just spit that thing. I appreciate that. And I haven't, I haven't done those poems in so long. I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, please let this come out right. So when last time have you done a poem? I did a poem on Tip's album, The Libra, last year. Yeah. And uh, I just spit a piece of that poem on Instagram like two weeks ago. Yeah, didn't know that. Yeah. The people must be like, like, like. <laughs> Yeah. <just> <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take somebody there as a date. Yes, do a poetry night. I'm going to take somebody as a date. Now, I have to warn you now, every, you're not going to find a whole lot of poets that deliver like me. I, I'm going to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of poetry. Oh. There's certain poets that I like that their delivery is just dope, but I'm going to be honest, a lot of poets bore me. Mm -hmm. It's the cadence and the sky and the... Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not yeah, into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But there are some phenomenal poets like Rudy Francisco, Jasmine Manns, Prentice Powell. Those are poets that I love. I just remember seeing them on like HBO. Yeah. They were that really poetry great. jam. Yeah, yeah, I wish I could have done... I was, you know, back in those days, I could have done yeah. that, that poetry jam. But this has been awesome. It's been great. Thanks for having me.
Um, can you tell these people about your movie? Your second movie got going on. Yes. Um, yes, everything. yes, yes. Create, don't wait, man. We don't wait on anyone to put us in position when we have all the power, ingenuity, relationships, resources, creativity to put ourselves in position. I have linked up with my friends, B. Simone, Jackie O, Brie Renee, and we've created and produced our own film. It's a comedic heist called Scheme Queens that will be coming to TV. Can't tell you what network yet. We just signed our deal. Um, but it will be coming to TV in the next month, so you will all be able to watch it. Again, it's called Scheme Queens. It's a comedic heist. I'm working on a new film called The Final Play, starring um, basketball player Jeremy Pargo. He's actually um, wrote the script and created this story himself and funded his own film, and I, I'm, I'm on as a producer, bringing that to life right here in Atlanta, shooting in December. And um, you have to, have to, have to, have to come to Greenlit ATL the first Thursday of every month. It is like, it's like Creator's Church. There's nothing like it in the city, and it's so fun. So we got to get you I'm come. to come. I'll be there. I'm at a, I missed the, um, the two-day window for Scheme Queens. Oh, yeah. That was cool. That just that was last week. It was one day only. I was in Miami, and I just didn't have time to click it. See, you could have went and bought our our, our movie. You could have just supported it. I wanted just, to. You could have just bought it and forgot about it. See? I like, wanted to watch see, it. You ain't support. You ain't I even support to, us. I told Brie, I was like, you could have told all your followers to go buy it. You ain't real. Ain't real. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to. But it's to. great because <laughs> we got a deal with a TV network. So it'll be coming to TV in just like, uh, I believe, like 30 days. You guys will all be able to watch it at home. That's what's up. Yeah. Queen. Great. Don't wait. Queen's doing that thing. I'm going to name the title Create. Don't wait. It's going to be the title. Yeah. Well, it's been real. I appreciate you coming. I appreciate you for having me. Until we meet again, return employee to the podcast uncut. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>